Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. tired of the nonsense that comes out of our White House. I, I, you have to be too, aren't you? I mean, aren't you just exhausted by the crap that comes out of our White House? You know, back in the day when the election came, Jill and Joe Biden told us decency is going to be brought back into the White House. Honor will be brought back into the White House. Really? Decency and honor? They can say this stuff and it drives me crazy. They just talk. They are the epitome of words speak louder than actions. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen the American people go through. I've never seen anything like it. Joe Biden, let's restore honor and decency to the White House. Jill Biden, decency is on the ballot. Oh, yeah? We had all kind of twerk at Easter this past year right there at the White House. Then, of course, the idiots during Pride Month came on the White House, took off their tops, danced around shirtless, half of them half naked, acting like complete idiots. That's decency in the White House. And now the latest. Now the latest, cocaine found in the White House in an area, I'm quoting here, in Joe Biden's orbit. See, I don't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat. I don't care if you're a moderate. I don't care what you are. Just don't be a filthy, disgusting liar. And that's all this family is. They know what buttons to push to get people to keep them in office. They know what buttons to push to keep them in power. They use it. People fall for it. And I cannot believe the American people are this stupid. I honestly cannot believe it. Decency and honor in the White House while you have naked transvestites or transgender or all of the above dancing around. Easter, the Easter Bunny and others twerking right there in the White House. That's honor and decency. And now the latest is so ridiculous, cocaine. So cocaine is in the White House. Cocaine is in an area of the White House that has very restricted access. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is being said that, quote, cocaine is in Joe Biden's, quote, orbit. What does that mean exactly? What exactly does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means Joe Biden knows who it was. I'm not saying it means Hunter Biden, it was Hunter Biden's cocaine. I mean, if you want to go circumstantial, you can certainly connect the dots and say, well, that makes kind of sense that he would be the prime suspect. I don't think that's difficult. I don't think that's something where you got to go, wow, that's such a stretch. But I got to tell you, just tell us who it was and let's move on. Just say, look, the cocaine was Emily Joe Smithson. Beaumont, I don't know, whoever, and just tell us who it was. But no, it's more crap. 
It's more garbage. It's more hiding. It's more lies. It's more deception. It's more smile and go, oh, man, what are you talking about? What, what, what are you talking about? It's cocaine in the freaking White House. Aren't we, I don't know, paying people salary? Aren't we, I don't know, the people that these folks are supposed to answer to? Aren't we, the American people, supposed to be told the truth? Uh, Don't we? Don't we? Aren't we? Shouldn't we be? And yet we acquiesce to a family that is so corrupt, so ridiculous. Here's, let me read this to you. Bag of cocaine found at the White House belonged to somebody in the Biden family orbit. According to three sources who relayed the information, a soldier of fortune published Susan Cates Keating. All right. Media told me there's no way that could be possible. Of course it's possible. And I don't understand why the media is covered. If you want the name, ask Joe Biden. He knows who it is. It was someone within the family orbit, and it wasn't Hunter. Secret Service previously claimed they had no idea. Well, if it wasn't Hunter, who was it? I mean, what's the problem? And why are we so secretive? And why is a fawning press so willing and complicit? I always hear this. You know, uh, silence is complicity. Really? Silence is complicit. Really? Well, the media is complicit in all of this. Gannett, where are you? Indy Star, New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today. Where are you? I mean, are you that ridiculous? Are you that awful that you can't come up with anything? I mean, I want you to think about this just for a second. You wouldn't even be talking about this if they did not run on this platform. This was a big part of the Biden family platform. Decency and honor, really? Bring in a bunch of transgender clowns. Take your shirts off. On the White House lawn. Bring in, uh, bring in a bunch of, you know, oh, I don't know, Easter egg people for kids and have them just twerk and doing sex. Yeah, that's honor and decency. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. It's awful. It's beneath us. And we have been had. You've been had. I ain't been had. I know this is a crime family that acts idiotic. I know this is a family that, frankly is out of control and lied to us every chance they got. And they continue to lie to us. They continue to shade things. And we continue to take it. And the media continues to be complicit. And that sucks. Damn. Dave Portnoy bought back his company. Dave Portnoy bought back his company for zero dollars. Zero. Zilts. Nada. None. Zero. None. Dave Portnoy did a very dumb thing when he sold his company. They thought that there was, well, he didn't do a dumb, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> let me let me take that back. Dave Portnoy did not do a really dumb thing. Dave Portnoy was very, very smart. Dave Portnoy sold it to Penn, got it back for zero, but has to give any future earnings 50% to Penn. There's a non-compete. There's all kind of stuff going on with this, but I got to tell you something. There was no way regulators, no way in holy heck that regulators were going to allow Dave Portnoy just to run scot-free like he did as he owned, as he owned Barstool. Let me go through it with you. 
company was sold for $500 million to Penn in 2020. Three years later, Portnoy acquired 100% of it back for zero. A lot going on there. Of course, you know that Penn announced with ESPN. This is where ESPN was smart. ESPN got over a billion to partner with Penn to start their own sports book. So, here's the deal. The Barstool Sportsbook never really took off. This is according to Adam uh, Ryan. In, Louis, in uh, Illinois, Penn was the seventh largest handle with 3.7%. Compare that, 43% FanDuel, 31% for DraftKings. All right? I don't know. They didn't have much of a handle. So now, now, Penn gets 50% of any profits, if there's any liquidation, 50%, Barstool loses one of its biggest advertisers, that being Sportsbooks. Sportsbooks, according to this agreement, cannot advertise on Sportsbook. Barstool cannot launch its own Sportsbook. So what did Barstool get? Barstool got control of their company back. And really, that's where Barstool lives. And good for Dave Portnoy. Good for Dave Portnoy. Now, now, no money coming in from their biggest advertisers is problematic for Dave Portnoy, is problematic for Barstool. And for Penn, it's a hell of a deal. For Penn, they get to partner with ESPN. You can like or dislike ESPN, but Penn and ESPN, that is going to be ESPN's gambling brand. Now, you say to me, well, you know what? ESPN restaurants didn't exactly make it, and you're right. There's no guarantee in the gaming business that ESPN and Penn will be a huge success, but remember this. With all those hit pieces on Dave Portnoy, you know who has to answer to those? Dave Portnoy. Where does he have to answer to them? In front of his board of directors? Hell no. In front of gambling regulators. And they don't like it. If you've ever watched Casino, you know they don't like it. They don't like to be shown up. They don't like any problems. Gambling regulators like easy. What's that commercial? Do you press the button? Easy. They like easy. But in their home state of Illinois, which is where Big Cat and the rest, 7%, 7th largest handle, 3.7%. It's a pretty good deal. Here's the deal. And this is just simple numbers that make sense. Barstool Sports gets $8 million. Unique visitors a month. ESPN gets 117 unique visitors a month. That's the traffic. ESPN is Goliath. Portnoy is Dave. Huge win for Penn. And the stock went way up because, well, frankly, when you get deals like that that are good for a company, the stock goes way up. I'm glad for Dave Portnoy because I I like Dave Portnoy. Let's hear from Dave Portnoy right now. Emergency press conference time. Maybe the biggest emergency press conference that we've ever had here at Barstool Sports. Um, where to start? Penn Entertainment and Barstool Sports have gone our separate ways. As of this moment, while you were watching this video, I have purchased back Barstool Sports from Penn. So that is right. For the first time in a decade, I own 100% of Barstool Sports. Not since the churning deal have I been in total control of everything. But more importantly, for us... For Barstool, for the first time in forever, we don't have to watch what we say, how we talk, what we do. It's back to the pirate ship. And by the way, I am never going to sell Barstool Sports, ever. I'll hold it till I die. All right. 
I think we have another video as well from Dave. Dude, and it, I mean, like that's even a question. You know, I told I told you I took Brick Watch over those other offers. You were my, you were always my guy. You found me. I mean, always. There's no. Yeah, it, there's no chance in hell I'm not. I mean, I'm the happy. I mean, I can't even tell you how happy I am right now. And I just appreciate you giving me this opportunity. And I, I just, I'm, I feel like I'm floating in space. so much for everything and uh like i said my dad like almost started crying when i gave him that watch it meant so much to him so he said he really appreciated it <laughs> we're back just right i love it you said that just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in like i said in the gleason video too i love that you said that all right we're back baby we're back oh my gosh all right let's do it can't wait all right thanks Dave. Right. that's it that's That's Mitzi. Ben Mitz was fired by Penn after he read rap lyrics that were offensive to Penn and most people, actually, and all people should be. He was immediately hired back by Dave Portnoy. Why? Because, well, Dave Portnoy doesn't have to answer to Penn anymore. Good for everybody involved. Good for Dave. Good for Big Cat. Friend of the show. Good for Mitzi. Good for Penn. Good for everybody. Yay, Ra. Go fight. Win. Barstool's back. And ESPN gets into the gaming business and maybe saves their own business. We shall see. Uh, The Georgia, University of Georgia, I don't blame them. I don't blame them is how I'm going to start. I don't blame them. There was a university staffer, a recruiting staffer. She survived the January crash that killed football player Devin Willicks and Chandler LaCroy. Victoria Bowles, who goes by the name Tory, filed a lawsuit against UGA in which she partially blamed the accident on the university's athletic association. Well, Bowles has been terminated by UGA. I would too. I I would too. They said they fired Bowles knowing that she is still unable to work during due, due to her significant and permanent injuries. How'd she get those injuries? She got those injuries being out at two in the morning, three in the morning with football players and another recruiting coordinator that was drunk. Speeding, driving too fast, racing, acting like idiots, and now it's somebody else's fault? Oh, okay. That's fine. They're alleging, her lawyers are, that the termination is in retaliation against her lawsuit filed against the university's athletic association. The lawsuit claims the athletic association negligently entrusted an SUV to another recruiting staffer, LaCroix, who had a history of speeding offenses. While Bowles was in the backseat of the car. That's all crap. You do things on your own. You do things knowingly. You got in the backseat of a car knowing that the person driving was drunk. See, I don't have tolerance for this. I'm supposed to, I know, but I don't. You made your decision. You made your decision to be out as a recruiting staffer late night with players, drinking in a university vehicle, and then drag racing down the street. That was your decision to get in that car. Nobody else's. Nobody made you get in that car. I'm sure when you got in the car, Ms. Bowles, you had none, zero, zero 
idea, nor did you care that this was a university vehicle. If I'm George, I'm firing her ass too. I'm sorry this happened to you, but you know what? That was on you. I get it. You lawyer up. I get it. You find a lawyer that says it was somebody else's fault. We all get that. We all, we all understand that. We all get that you lawyer up, and that's fine. But this lawsuit is crap. You made your decision. You got in that car. You decided it was good as a university employee to be out drinking with the players. That was cool to you, I assume. Now, a lawyer could tear my argument apart because that's what lawyers do. But I coached for a long time. I know how this stuff goes. That's why I never had uh, young ladies on as recruiting staffers. I get it. It's a thing in football. I do. I get it. But she apparently, according to Georgia, refused to cooperate with the crash investigation. The association said their policies require all employees to comply with internal investigation and terminated Bowles on the basis she had not cooperated in seven, seven months. We were ultimately left with no choice but to terminate her employment. We, miss, we wish Miss Bowles well in her recovery and will offer no more comment. Good. Good. You made that decision, young lady. You decided. You didn't care. You were doing it. It was cool to hang out with the players. Yay, Rod. They won a championship. They pushed the ball past the line more times than the other team pushed the ball past the line. So I'm going to sit in the back seat while a drunk driver with a horrible record and some player uh, in the other seat because I'm cool, I'm a player, and now you're mad about it. Nuh-uh. I'm sorry. I'd have fired her a long time ago. I might have fired her the night, the night of the accident. Uh, but maybe I'm cold hearted. I don't know. But I got no tolerance for that crap. I got none. Zero zip. You know, and all of a sudden it's somebody else's fault. Nuh-uh. Not in my world, but I coached for a long time. No. No. I'm a little hot about that. I don't like that. All right, Tim Anderson got slapped by his teammate, Yasmin Grandal, right before the All-Star break. Grandal was whining, and he was – and. and <laughs> And apparently Tim Anderson was in the training room while Grandal was whining. It was a game before the All-Star break. Grandal was not in the lineup. Anderson heard it. Anderson got mad, slapped him. Grandal did because Anderson came at him. Tim Anderson's had a bad week. Tim Anderson has had a really bad week. So anyway, he got slapped. Yay, Ra. Go fight, win. You got slapped. Again. And then you got knocked. The hell out. Tim, wear your hat sideways, big boy. All right. Uh, Is the NFL soft? We're going to talk with Armando, but listen to this. Commanders, commanders, players are sad. Why are they sad? Because Eric B. Enemy's me. As my daughter used to say, he be mean to me. He be mean to me. Really? He be mean to me? Oh, man, don't be mean to me. Well, they're mad because, well, Eric Bieniemy is too tough on the players. So what did they do? They went to Ron Rivera. Now, remember, Ron Rivera is America's woke coach. He got all mad at Jack Del Rio last year. Oh, I don't know. For just liking something about Republicans or conservatives. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
So anyway, so Ron Rivera is throwing Eric Bieniemy under the bus because Ron Rivera told the media some players have talked to Ron Rivera about how mean Eric Bieniemy is. I have no tolerance for this. I have absolutely no tolerance for this. I have zero tolerance for this. Now, Rivera came back today and said, I put my foot in my mouth. Eric's done a great job. It's been a little bit of growth. Uh, So what? Why would you air your dirty laundry on a coach? I'll tell you why. Because all these football coaches, all these basketball coaches, are so worried about the player being angry with them. So I want to be a friend with the player to be enemy's credit. Look, I'm going to be their biggest and harshest critic. But also understand I'm going to be their number one fan because I support them. <laughs> Seriously. Serious business. This They should fire Ron Rivera. They should fire Ron Rivera because Ron Rivera isn't to be trusted as a coach. Ron Rivera is a guy that will, well, He'll throw anybody under the bus. He threw his offensive coordinator, his new offensive coordinator, who, by the way, won a hell of a lot more in the league than Ron Rivera. The players were mad because of the intensity, the intensity with which Eric Bieniemy coaches. Last I looked, Washington had won squat since Joe Gibbs was there. Washington hadn't done nothing. Maybe they need a kick in the pants. Maybe they need somebody to call him out. I always liked Ron Rivera. Going back ever since he was with the Bears as a backup to Mike Singletary, I had a chance to interview him in person. I liked him. But he's a chicken blank coach that throws his coaches under the bus. And if you hire the enemy, shouldn't you have done a little research to know how he coaches and how that fits in with you? I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't. But I'm not trusting Ron Rivera if I'm a player, if I'm a coach. I'm not trusting him to do jack squat. Hey, I agree with Odell Beckham. See, Odell Beckham is one of those guys that apparently we got to talk about every time he opens his mouth. Odell Beckham made the most overrated one-handed catch in the history of football. But Odell Beckham was on his way to an unbelievable Super Bowl. Unbelievable. And then he tore his knee. And then he was out for a year. But he was. Here's what Odell Beckham had to say. People have no idea what I was actually going to do that day. It was going to be the day where I catch 15 balls, 250. Game plan was for me. We would have beaten him 42 to 17. He ain't wrong. He was unbelievable until he went down with a knee injury. I don't know why we got to talk about Odell Beckham. He seems like a moron to me. But that's all right. I guess that's why. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about a couple things that are interesting. Let's talk about Ziggy Hood. I remember when Ziggy Hood was coming out. I remember, you guys may not remember the name Ziggy Hood, but Ziggy Hood was pretty good. Ziggy Hood was one of those guys that in the draft, a lot of people were talking about where would he go? Where would Ziggy Hood go? What would he do? He came out of Missouri and he was drafted in the first round in nine, in 09. I remember this because, well, frankly, it was the first year basically that I was doing a radio show in the draft. It was basically the first year, so I studied the draft. And I remember thinking, man, this guy Ziggy Hood's pretty good. Well, Ziggy Hood had a nice career. 
Ziggy Hood did something way better, way better than have a nice career. He potentially stopped the school shooting. He prevented a school shooting in Texas. How did he do that? Well, after a decade as a football player, listen to this. He teaches biology as an assi- and as an assistant coach at Palo Duro High School. All right? He spoke to a student who he thought was struggling mentally and emotionally. Police later became involved and made an arrest after finding a weapon on school property. Hood said, after talking with him a little bit, trying to explain to him there's multiple ways of going about this, and one way was not the way in which he had planned. The officers did a wonderful job that day. They protected everybody. I'm just glad that he didn't get hurt. Somebody else didn't get hurt, or multiple people didn't get hurt. Now, he reached out, Hood did even more. He reached out through the media and said, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling overwhelmed, talk to somebody. If it's not a teacher, if it's not a counselor, if it's not a principal, go to a coach or somebody. You don't want to make a permanent decision based on a temporary motion. See, that is great stuff. That is the value of being a teacher. That is the value of being a good human being. Salute, Ziggy Hood. Salute, my man. That is freaking awesome that he didn't stand by. He didn't do anything other than what was right. Had the guts to talk. Think about that for just a second. Had the guts to talk to a kid who was planning mass murder. Uh, I'm tired of Micah Parsons. May I just say? Micah Parsons needs to shut up and win something. Micah Parsons is great. Anytime I'm in Vegas, I have like two days max. Really? Of course. That's all anybody has. See, this is where NFL players are out of their mind. Listen to this. Anytime you hit another city like Miami, they're just taxing you the whole time. The restaurants are expensive. The outings are expensive. What are the outings? Vegas, if you're looking for pool vibes, street vibes, shopping, they have the best shopping, tax-free gambling with all your friends. Well, that's good, Micah. Where do all these NFL players have all this time? They have all this time to get on social media. I heard always that camp was a grind, yo. I heard I'm sticking to the grind, yo. Whatever happened to that? I got Zaire Franklin and Coles whining about people getting on Jonathan Taylor, which I'll talk about coming up here after we have Paula Scanlon. But honest to God, all these guys have all this time. Really? You're spe- really? You're just understanding that really two days in Vegas is enough, Micah? Wow, that's deep. And he'll have a billion people around him going, yeah, man. Yeah, man, you know, it's deep. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Like, I watched that quarterback series yesterday. And Mahomes got into it with Max Crosby. I watched the first one. And after the game, did you notice that everybody sits around like they're on the mount and listens to Mahomes talk about himself? Yeah, I told, and all the guys were like, yeah, man, you did, yeah. There are no women around because women wanna, don't want to hear that crap. Women are like, yeah, uh, the guys are talking about themselves again and idolizing Patrick. We'll go over here. We'll hang out. It's unbelievable. Seriously. So Micah Parsons, oh, that's great, Micah. Yay, Ra, go fight, win. Last thing, I like it. Trey Young, who has struggled, got $30 million. He paid for a billboard all across Philadelphia. He paid for a billboard to thank fans. Yes, he did. He thanked fans amidst his struggles. 
There you go. That's pretty good. He thanked the fans. You don't see that very often. They were booing him for a while. But he do we have not have the billboard? He he, th- he thanked the fans. And Yera, go fight with. Paula Scanlon, ladies and gentlemen, she had to. She had to sit in the locker room as a teammate at Penn with Leah Thomas, the male swimmer, while Leah Thomas changed. But there's something, there we go. Thank you. There's something about Paula Scanlon that is deeper than that. Yeah, who does that? Thank you, Philly. That's right. You want to get on the good side of Philly, do that. That's exactly right. You want to get on the bad side, keep making errors. Because the bad side of Philly can come quick. The good side, all you got to do is pay the little fat guy's attention. Hey, man, you suck. Thank you, Philly. Oh, you're great. We love you. You paid attention to me. Paula Scanlon and Armando join us. Paula Scanlon's story of courage is unbelievable. What she had to deal with just simply going to try and be a swimmer in college, and all of a sudden, nightmares came back. Paula testified in front of Congress, and she's going to join me coming up here in a minute. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Save Women's Sports Act is now law in the state of Texas. That was Governor mm-hmm. Abbott signing. Well, basically, and, and, and Paula, forgive me, but this all seems so ridiculous to me that we've got to have a law that protects women's spaces in sports. But you were there. Riley was there. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being such an advocate. But honest to God, when you were in high school and you were a swimmer, did you ever think you were going to have to be a part of something like this? No. And honestly, if this had happened to me when I was in high school, I probably would have not wanted to deal with it. And I would have said, I can I can find something else. I can find a better sport. I can find a team that actually has fair competition. Never thought this would be my reality. Yet here we are. And I've heard stories and stories of people there was those three young girls I'm not sure you could tell see them in the video they're eight years old they said that they had to compete against boys in their elementary school in the state of Texas um and that's that's crazy to me I never would have ever thought that that would have ever happened honest to God the stuff that comes out of my mouth that I discuss I I, I am an old guy but I'm sitting there going you got to be kidding me all right let's go through it you've been very brave talking about your story Uh, of being assaulted in a locker room when you were 16 years old and swimming saved your life. And then those memories came back 
when all of a sudden here's Leah Thomas, your teammate, in a locker room. Yeah, and that's something a lot of people never really knew about. That's something that uh, wasn't going to be clear if I didn't speak out about it. And, I mean, I've received a lot of hate. There have been a lot of people saying that I'm lying about it, suggesting that uh, they personally have gone through experiences and they would be comfortable changing with Leah Thomas. Everyone has their own opinion on it. But I spoke out about this because people need to see how, how the reality that this is infringing on women's rights. There are real women that have gone through experiences and have feelings about this, and we can't be ignored. And I felt ignored my entire time in college. Everyone I would talk to about this would ignore and invalidate my experience. And I decided it was time to stop that. What was your coach's reaction? Like, I coached for a long time. If my play was everybody just so scared to be called transphobic? Is that the deal? Yeah, my coaches told me that if they didn't, stay on the team or they refuse to coach over Leah or anything, any type of concern whatsoever, the university was going to find somebody that would allow it to happen. Uh, it looked bad for the universities. They have, you know, the ACLU sues everybody that is against trans people. So the university could face a lawsuit. They could have the entire athletic department be fired over this. So unfortunately, everyone everywhere has to fall down to this trans ideology and it's, and it's disturbing, and it doesn't matter what opinion you have about it. It doesn't matter if you know that it's wrong, you have no choice. And that's what I dealt with for, for a year, and even the year after college when I wasn't speaking about this, I was still afraid. When, when you finally decided, or not finally, when you decided to speak out publicly, what spurred that? Because it feels like for a while when you were in college, Man, if you even mentioned disagreeing with it, you were going to get fired, you, you know, well, everything you just mentioned. So let's fast forward. When did you say, okay, enough is enough. I've got to speak out. Yeah, so after my season happened, I assumed that my experience on my team was an individual thing. That, okay, yes, we had a transgender swimmer on my team, but no other sport is going to be affected by this. There's not going to be little girls uh, in their high schools and their middle schools that are going to see this. And in the year between when I graduated from college in 2022 and when I came public in June of this past year, I saw this explode. There were people in high school. There were other college programs that are having this. There were elementary school students that were affected by this. And I knew that I had a, a voice and I knew that I had a story and the, the experiences of what happened to us in the University of Pennsylvania swim team is I can talk about it for hours. There's so many details that people don't know about. And I knew that if the world knew the truth, people would change their mind and stand up against this. And so it was really when I saw all of these young girls and I thought about the people I could protect. Right. If I speak about this now and I do what we did in Texas and I pass legislation, there's going to be young girls that would have been affected by this that aren't going to be now and they'll never know about what I dealt with, which is what I want. I don't want them to go through what I did. When you first, I want to take you back for a minute. When you first were told or saw for yourself that Leah Thomas was going to be on the women's team because Thomas was on the men's team, so I assume you knew him. Um, what was your reaction? What were your teammates' reaction? We were told in the fall of 2019, believe it or not, 
Um, so a lot of people had mixed reactions. It was just a lot of shock. Um, people one-on-one -on -one would say, I don't think it's quite fair, but I'm not sure what the rules are. Other people said, this is great. We must be accepting. Uh, it's mostly shock. Mostly no one knew how to react. And I didn't know how to, certainly didn't know how to react. For me, I personally went down the rabbit hole of, I said, okay, what is the NCAA policy that is allowing this? Because I want to know. And I read about that. I talked to friends that were bio majors at school about what was wrong with the policy. I talked to my brother who majored in chemistry in college and is a very strong science student. I called him on the phone for hours and I tried to get in contact with people that would know what to do and nobody really knew how to react. I had friends that told me that it wasn't real. They said, oh, you know, that won't happen. The NCAA will step in. The university will step in. Your coach will step in. Every single person assumed that somebody somewhere would do the right thing and it didn't happen. And then 2021, fall of 2021, sure enough, Leah was on the team and it was a non-negotiable. We weren't allowed to protest it in any way. What You knew Thomas, right? You knew him from the swim team. What, what was your impression of him coming over and doing this? Was it, I, I don't know, now we've seen Thomas joins Antifa or at least promotes Antifa. What was your... What, what, what was your relationship like prior? What had you thought of Thomas prior to this? So on the men's team as Will, um, Will was very quiet, didn't really talk to many people, very focused swimmer. I will always worked hard in the pool. Um, I most people, most people did, um, but not somebody I would have expected to be part of something so public and so scandalous. But it was very interesting because Will was very quiet, at least to the women's team, but once upon... Leah's birth, right when uh, Will decided to become Leah. And that name wasn't announced until, I think, probably 2020. Um, and just became very public, very open, would talk to people about what they're doing in their personal life, would talk about um, just everything and their training and just became a much more folk, uh, vocal person and a much more social person and just a bit larger part of the center of conversation on the team whether it be actually the unfairness part or just anything that Thomas was up to. Did he, did he address the, un, the, the uncomfortableness in the locker room? No. And that's something that's very interesting is we never had a conversation about that ever. When we did have this team meeting that's been referenced many times now, I've talked about at the beginning of December when they told us Leah Swimming was a non-negotiable. That's the meeting that they advised us to go seek psychological services over all of this. Um, Leah was not there. They actually told Leah to not come to the meeting. They didn't want Leah part of any of these conversations because, um, you know, it, it didn't matter. But also, to, to be fair to Leah, the rules were the rules. Other people allowed this to happen. It wasn't necessarily Leah's fault for being on the team. Uh, it's the rules and the universities and the institutions that allowed this to happen. I told you off air that my stepdaughter played softball at Harvard, just graduated. And this is always interesting to me. Leah, and I always screw this up, so forgive me. Leah Thomas is a guy transitioning to a girl. On Yale's softball team, there was a girl transitioning to a guy. Yet both play on the women's team. That's odd to me. Why is everybody playing on the women's team? Yeah, and I, I pointed out, I said either the categories are biology-based or they're self-ID based. So, so this, that swimmer uh, went by the name Isaac and it was somewhere at Yale, right? 
which one of you is breaking the rules, right? Is, is Leah breaking the rules by self-ID or is Isaac breaking the rules from biology? Because it's not, I feel like we've got to at least agree that if we're going to make these categories self-ID, you have to at least go to the category you self-ID with. Or if we're going to make these categories biology, you got to go with the category for biology. It's clear that the women's category is the easier category in virtually every single sport. Um, so, of course, everybody wants to be on the women's team because the time standards in swimming, at least, are slower, right? Every single person who goes to the NCAA championship on the men's side is faster than every single girl who goes to the meet. I, I, you mentioned the biology of it. So I, I got to ask you this, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to ask you this. I don't know the right way to ask you this. I don't. And I don't want this to seem odd, but the biology of a man is different than the biology of a woman. The parts are different. So people have asked me to ask you, and I'm I, what, I mean, Leah Thomas, I assume, had the parts of a man changing in front of you all, right? I mean, this, you know, I, I think people like me or maybe others are kind of ignorant to, to this is... This is a man with male parts changing in the women's locker room. That's the biology of this, correct? Yes. Yes. And I personally, I never really tried to look, but it's not even about looking at someone's, you know, private area. You know, right. you know when someone's a man. And I always say this as someone, right. I can tell someone's gender or sex by looking at their legs. The structure, if you look down, and I ask everybody to do this, go home and look at your mother's legs and your father's legs or whoever, not in a creepy way, literally look at the leg structure. You can tell the difference. And that's and that's what I did one of the days on, on, our, on our training trip. We were all on the bus together and I was sitting in the very back row and I couldn't see any of my teammates' faces, but I looked down the row and I looked at everybody's legs and I said, men's team member, women's team member, men's team member, women's team member. So easy to tell. And you know, my, I'm looking at Leah Thomas's leg and I go, hmm, Men's leg, but on the women's team. It's so easy to tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think people get confused by that. I, I, I think that they think that somebody, I, I guess, quote, transitioning, all of a sudden doesn't have the male. I mean, you know what I mean? And, and it's not that way, right? I, it's, it's absolutely not that way. No, and they, and they say that your, your genitals don't define your gender anymore. So they're suggesting actually, so if I decide tomorrow that I want to be a man, I don't have to go through any surgery. I can start becoming a man and, and I can still give birth. I can go have a baby and I look like a man and everyone thinks that it's so beautiful. So you've done nothing to change anything about your, your physical body, but you can still identify however you want. It's, it's very confusing, especially kids are exposed to this. It's so confusing for children. Myself as an adult, I understand a little bit more about why this is happening and what's going on. But kids, I saw kids exposed to this. And that and that to me is that's where this gets really scary. All right. I want to go back to the bill, the Sports Act bill, the Women's Sports Act bill, that Governor Abbott and you and, and Riley were. You guys, um, you know what? We're, we're supposed to be the most tolerant. The left is supposed to be the most tolerant. The trans, the pride community is supposed to be the most tolerant. They didn't seem very tolerant when you guys were going to sign that bill. Yeah, uh, I was not expecting the turnout. Um, and Riley, <laughs> Riley pointed this out to me. It was the middle of the day at 2 p.m. Do none of these people have jobs? 
Um, and so that's something Riley pointed out, and I, I thought that was quite funny. But um, so my entire family is from Texas. So I had my aunt and uncle, my mom's my mom's brother and his wife, were coming to pick me up from this event. And because all the ba- uh, the exits had been blocked by this crowd, they couldn't get in to get me. So my aunt and uncle are waiting outside in this 105 degree weather, trying to you know get reach me so that I could go home because I was staying the night at their house. And my uncle got actually got to walk around with this crowd. He took pictures of the protesters. They were bragging about their signs to him. He even noted that some of them had signs that had nothing to do with sports. I'm not sure if some of these people even knew why they were there. Um, and so that was pretty funny that my, my uncle had I mean, all these stories about the different various people he took photos of and he met. Um, but... I was fine. I didn't personally get attacked because I didn't exit through the mob. But some of these people in that video that you can see that did exit through the mob, they got water bottles dumped on them. A woman from um, Independent Women's Forum that I work with, she was actually spit on in the eye and she did press charges uh, and the person was arrested. So it was definitely not civil. Um, I'm I'm fine if they want to protest, if you want to say whatever you want to say about you're entitled to your own opinions. I'm always a strong believer of that. But to spit on people, to pour water bottles on people. Those That young girl you can see in that video right there, those young girls were being screamed curse words at when they exited, which I thought was very unacceptable. And my uncle actually witnessed that firsthand. You know, I, I, I'm going to, this is how sick I am. I want to be one of those, I want to be where I become uh, so much on the right side that evil people protest me. You know what I mean? I just... <laughs> that sounds... Hey, wh- all right, what, what does the bill do? What, what does the bill that Governor Abbott signed? What does that do? Yes, yeah, so SB 15 is the name of the bill. Um, it just ensured that public universities in the state of Texas, so colleges now, you have to compete on the team of your sex assigned at birth. So previously they had passed one for high school and middle school aged um, athletes, but it didn't expand into colleges. And Governor Abbott took the step of saying, you know what, the NCAA can get mad and these various organizations can try to sue, but we as Texas universities will not allow biological men to compete on women's sports teams. And that was, that was a huge thing. And obviously, Leah Thomas is actually from Texas originally. Um, I have, again, all of my mom's side of the family is in Texas. So I have deep ties to the state. Um, and it's a huge state. And it's a really big deal for Texas to do something like this because it's such a large state. And it'll also give other states uh, the ammunition to uh, also make the same decisions. And it'll help encourage them to also pass the same types of laws. Have you always been this brave? <laughs> Honestly, no. I, I mean, it's it's hard. It's it's really hard. And there are days when I, you know, sit in my room and I think, should I have just stayed at my engineering job and been a nobody and been screamed at <laughs> by all of my superiors? Um, because I do I do receive a lot of a lot of hate. There are people who do do personal attacks. It is challenging, but it's not about me. And and if I get attacked every single day, and if every single comment I ever received is negative, which is not true. It's about the younger girls that we need to fight for. This is not about myself. It's not about Riley. And I and it really is important to, to do something so good for other people. I think that's something that it's it makes it worth it. That I know I can I can help other people. And that's and that's why I do this. I, I hope you understand that we we've been all over this topic for a long time. And I, yeah. I hope you understand that the vast, 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 vast majority of people are totally 
on your side. I mean, the vocal minority, the vocal very small minority can kiss your backside because, frankly, uh, the common sense is simply uh, on the side of 99% of people out there. Hope you understand that. Yeah, I definitely see it. Yeah, and I, I see people who are left-leaning that agree with me for sure. Yeah, they should. Hey, you are a brave woman, and I hope you'll come back. Thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I love brave women. I do. My, my I mean, I've been around brave women my entire life. Uh, honest to God, my wife, who I've told you is an icon in sports, my mother, I, just brave women, man. She stood up, told her personal story, and it's not like, you know, she told a story of assault. This is a brave woman. These are brave women. These are women that other women should aspire to be like, not afraid, unafraid to stand up, go in front of Congress, fight for something you believe in. Man, I love talking to brave women. I do. I just, it inspires me. It just does. In, in, in all the world of crap, you know what I mean, where athletes are pumping their chests and acting like idiots and getting arrested, Alvin Kamara's of the world, the guy Chris Lemon's of the world, all these clowns, guess what? It is so good to see that we have brave women out there that are willing to fight for their sport. I would argue any of you dudes that are playing against women, you're cowards. We know you're cowards. But, hey, what are you going to do? You stand up is what you're going to do. Man, I love brave women. I do. I'm sorry. I just absolutely get fired up about it. And I love the fact that this show, we have been able to highlight so many freaking brave women. I'm fired up about it, ladies and gentlemen. The YouTube chat is pumping. Jen Gritty says, how screwed up is our world when men and women can't be considered different? (laughs) Getting rid of gender is ridiculous. Man, I always consider the source. This is from Van Pashman. This is how I live my life. Lady at church, and I told her that if she was against something I did or said, I probably, without question, take it very seriously and change. That's right. That's how I am with my mother. We beat Toledo. Huge win. I needed it. We were going to win a championship. Anyway, get home, having a bowl of cereal, At my kitchen table, one in the morning, my mom comes down and says, Daniel, I think she's going to tell me how proud she is of me. Daniel, I was totally embarrassed by you. What? You're swearing, your language. Ah, man. Ah, man. Anyway, that hurt, and I took it to heart because my mother said it. I must pay attention to it. Other people said, I don't give a crap. Greg Doyle writes it about me. I lose respect. I just make fun of. But honest to God, there are some people that you do take serious when they straighten you out. And there are some people that if they disagree with you, you know you're doing the right thing. Period. Period. All right? Why is it that the left is always so nasty? They put an article in the paper here about, well, you know who was against women's sports or the women's national soccer team. The cruel side, the mean side, that's the headline in the Indy Star. So I posted, well, here's the compassionate side, the nice side, 
protesting, burning down cities when Donald Trump got elected. I didn't even go into Black Lives Matter. There weren't a lot of Republicans in Black Lives Matter in downtown Indy killing Chris Beatty and burning down the city. That, according to the Indy Star and other media, uh, is the compassionate side. Really? We got a downtown here in Indy that you don't have any businesses. We don't have businesses downtown. Why? Because, well, I don't think Republicans burned them down. I remember when Indianapolis was being boarded up election night when Trump was getting election. I don't think they were going against and boarding up against Republicans who won the election. Who were they boarding up against? They certainly didn't have to board up when Obama won. They certainly didn't have to board up when Clinton won. Why do you have to board up? But they, according to Greg Doyle's headline, are the compassionate side. Really? Compassion isn't burning down buildings, isn't throwing things at young women who are getting a bill signed, spitting in the eye of people that are trying to get a bill signed so that freaking women can play against freaking women. That is not the compassionate side. That's the evil side. And we all know this, except the media portrays it differently. And they, ladies and gentlemen, are as evil. Period. I agree with Van Pashman. You just can't identify your body away. I don't. I can't identify, oh, I'm a woman today. No, I'm a tree today. No, I'm a couch today. No, I feel like a coffee cup today. You can kiss my backside with that. It's all crap. The evil side, ladies and gentlemen, is the side that when you don't get what you want, you go burn down a city. Was there evil on January 6th? Yeah, probably. One day, I'll give you 20 days of burning, the summer of love, right? The evil, the cruel, the mean side is a left-wing media that stands in front of burning buildings and lies to you and tells you it's a mostly peaceful protest. I mean, it's that simple. And idiots like Greg Doyle, idiots like the Indianapolis Star, idiots like Annette, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and want to portray it as anything other than that are just simply pandering and lying. We've all seen the video. Did your city burn down because Clinton won or because Obama won? No, but Indy boarded up because Trump won, and they weren't boarding it up against old Republicans. I can guarantee you that. The YouTube chat is absolutely bumping. It is rocking. It is rolling. I got a lot of football to get to today. Jonathan Taylor, let me explain something to you. I've told you this for years. The Jonathan Taylor saga is not new to Indy. Let me take you back to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had a knee. Wait, no, no, no. It was an ankle. No, no, no. It was a soft tissue. No, 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 no. Old Peyton got up there and said, hey, I saw Andrew Luck, <laughs> and he's ready to go. He's ready to go. Yeah. About three days later, Andrew Luck retired. Colts have always lied about injury. Colts have never told the truth. And our media here is so damn weak that they can never get the truth. Chris Ballard doesn't have any pressure on him from anybody to divulge the truth. So here's the deal. Jonathan Taylor is either, and I don't know the answer to this. I could lie to you, but I won't. Jonathan Taylor is either sulking, he wasn't at Colts camp, or Jonathan Taylor is rehabbing away from the facility, which begs a question. Why is he rehabbing away from the facility? Why is he doing the same thing Andrew Luck did? 
Why is he not at the facility? Why doesn't he trust the doctors? I'll tell you why. Because the Colts organization is a blank show under Chris Ballard. Players don't trust. I've told you this forever. And I will continue to tell you this. Andrew Luck got hurt snowboarding, for crying out loud. Andrew Luck did not trust the team doctors. Peyton Manning did not trust the team doctors. Peyton Manning went to Europe. Everybody goes away from the Colts when they have a serious deal. And this guy's no different. I don't know if he's playing games. I have no idea. I have no idea if he's sulking, but it isn't like Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's the guy that's been at every practice his entire career. But he gets with the Colts. He isn't getting paid what he wants. Certainly that's an issue. But all of a sudden, does he have an ankle? Hell, he had an ankle injury back in November. I mean, damn. It's August. I got to tell you, back in the day, the only injury that kept you out for a year was an ACL. Now that's a nine-month injury. December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Nine months for an ankle? All right. If that's what you want to believe, telling you, freaking Colts are nuts. I'll get in with Armando. We'll talk to Armando. Our NFL player soft did Ron Rivera of the Commanders open up a little window to the soul of NFL players. Also, is Delvin Cook using the Jets as leverage to get more money from the Dolphins? If he is, good for him. Ron Rivera, I got two words for you. My ass. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's Armando with America's Best Background, our friend Armando Segarra, who is the best NFL writer, TV personality, insider, outsider, upsider, downsider, you name it, he is it. Hey, Armando, I got to get right into this. Ron Rivera, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Now, I know he came back and apologized and all that, but he did what he did, throwing his coaches under the bus. His players are whining. What's going on here? Seems like more of the same, even though Daniel Snyder ain't there. You know, Ron Rivera is not a rookie coach. He is a veteran coach. He's taken a team to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they were 15-1, and one, I believe, that season in Carolina with the MVP of the league, Cam Newton. He should know better. And so what he did yesterday was tell reporters in an unforced error that, A, uh, several players from his offense have come to him to complain about the tactics and approach that offensive coordinator 
uh, Eric Bieniemy has been using on them. <laughs> and so, uh, error number one. Error number two coming up, Dan, and that would be when he explains how Bieniemy is who he is. He's not going to change. He Rivera looks at players differently and adjusts. His defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, you know, treats players differently and adjusts because he's been a head coach. Rivera is the head coach, but Eric doesn't do that because he needs, you know, he doesn't have that experience as a head coach. Error number two. So the bottom line is why? Just why? Ron Rivera, what what's, what are you gaining out of doing this? Look, as a media person, it's great when coaches and players pull back the curtains and tell you um, their flaws and their foibles, but this felt a little icky to me. This felt, uh, it just felt weird, and I talked to people across the league, some of the, some of the, comments that I got was quote unquote brutal uh, from from one person uh, that he did this. Somebody else uh, called it a sinking ship in Washington. And it's only, you know, August 9th. So they haven't even played a game in anger yet. So I don't know. Weird. It's very weird. And you mentioned should know better. It seems like, honest to God, it just seems like Daniel Snyder's gone and the same thing goes. You know, players whining about tough coaching. I, I, is this isolated or has the NFL really across the board coaches from, you know, the assistant assistant coaches to the head coach and everything in between? Has everybody had to change here? Look, uh, players complaining, I'm not going to say whining, about coaching is not new, and it's not this generation, okay? Uh, I, I remember right. 20, 25 years ago, players telling coaches, hey, man, th this practice is too long, or you need to dial back on that rookie. He's kind of, you know, the weakling. Stop picking on him. Uh, or, uh, you know, stuff like that, or this doesn't work, or that doesn't work. So that's been happening. But when a player or players complain about the coach yelling at them or being too mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> come on, man. Look, Dan, you coached, not football, but you coached, you know, basketball. Could you have imagined um, – what you would have done if your players came to you and said, your assistant is too mean. He's, he's raising his voice. They, they, they actually, when I was first there, you know, when a first year head coach, you try to be tougher, you know? So I came to practice and they all boycotted. They said I was too tough. So uh, they didn't come to practice. They, they, they didn't show. So they, they wanted to have a meeting at 6 o'clock. So I showed up at the meeting, and I handed them all transfer papers. I said, hey, I'm, I'm too tough. Here you go. Get out. Go. 
Those same guys won a championship two years later, first time in 30 years at Bowling Green, and I'd take a bullet for any of them. Sometimes you got to go through some stuff. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to go through some stuff to get to where you want to get to, and not everything is easy, and nobody should know that better than football players. And here's the question for you. Did you, after that meeting, go to the next press conference and say to the reporters, yeah, last night we had a meeting and our players are complaining and they're weak and I'm I'm, I'm too mean. I have to learn. Did you do that? No. No. In fact, the next day we had a game and we won and we were a bad team my first year. So, you know, you're exactly right. And that's the bigger problem. Like, you know, what do coaches always say, Armando? What happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. And when the coach violates that, that's why I said earlier, and I'm curious your opinion on this. I said earlier, if I'm a player or I'm a coach, I'm not sure I trust Ron Rivera. That's a great point. You know, um, throughout the NFL, and I would say throughout sports, it is clearly defined. There are clearly defined lines. Sometimes those lines get crossed because relationships are strong. Um, I know because I've engaged in some of those relationships between media and the professional athletes or the coaches. But there are clearly defined lines that you do not cross, not because you don't or they don't like the media, but because they want to protect the integrity of the relationship within the locker room. They want to protect the team, and ultimately help the team. What what Ron Rivera did yesterday, let, let's put everything that happens during a season in one of two categories. Did it help the team or did it not help the team and thereby perhaps hurt the team? So yesterday, did he, which, which category, what basket are we putting that in? Help or didn't help and possibly hurt? Simple as that. Well, well, if you can make something good out of it, I know he tried to today by saying that he put his foot in his mouth, then maybe you can make an argument it might down the road, but I, I don't buy it. I, I, don't, I don't buy that it helps in any way, shape, or form in the world that we live in, in the modern world of coaching. I don't believe it gains trust. I don't believe it helps fortify your team by going to the media about private conversations, particularly ones that make the player or the coach look bad. The player looks bad because we're talking about him being too sensitive. The coach looks bad because you're talking about Eric Bieniemy not adjusting. So, no, when you make both parties or one party look bad, that is not good no matter how you spin it for the team and the operation. The, the thing I'm a little peeved about is – it really uh, overshadows the picking of Sam Howell as their starting right. quarterback. Uh, with all due respect to Sam Howell, uh, who was good in college and all of that, uh, if Ron Rivera is banking on Sam Howell to win a lot of games for him so that he could keep his job, Ron Rivera, who's never had a winning season with the Washington Commanders, uh, good luck with that, Ron. And this doesn't help. 
Delvin Cook, is he using leverage here? Is he shopping his services with the Jets because ultimately he wants to go to the Miami Dolphins? Well, he would like to go to the Miami Dolphins. There's no doubt about that. He, he's from Miami, uh, and he grew up a Dolphins fan. So, you know, and he lives in Miami in the offseason. So, yeah, uh, ball one, ball two, ball three. Throw me another wiffle ball, and, and I'll take my walk to first base. Um, I would say to you that Dalvin Cook is waiting for all of the, the scenario to come together in that he would really like a team that's going to offer him the opportunity to be the guy. He would like to have an opportunity to be the guy for 10 or $11 million a year. And he would like the opportunity to be the guy for 10 or $11 million a year on a really good team. Those three things aren't available at the moment. Moreover, he's not 100% recovered from his shoulder uh, surgery. So he doesn't feel like he's in any sort of rush. He feels like, look, I have this thing from the Jets. It's on the table. Um, I can take it in a couple of weeks if necessary or wait for something perhaps to pop up now that the preseason has begun. Injuries happen. Training camp, injuries happen. We see it every day. So maybe another opportunity pops up and a team comes to me and, and offers me close to what I want. Look, the Jets, they are a, a, a potential, you know, playoff team. So that meets the criteria. They do not, however, plan to make Dalvin Cook a bell cow back. They have Brees Hall that they're counting on as well. So it's going to be a shared situation. And the money wasn't, you know, didn't exactly blow Dalvin Cook away either. Cream Hunt, weird situation here in Indy. Jonathan Taylor doing un-Jonathan Taylor-like things, away from the facility, rehab, and wherever. Kareem Hunt is visiting the Colts today. If you were a Colts fan, would you be excited about getting Kareem Hunt into the building? Kareem Hunt is not Jonathan Taylor, uh, and he's not Kareem Hunt of four years ago, five years ago anymore. I think anyone that has watched the tape especially last year, um, understands that Kareem Hunt is a complimentary back. And at times, the Cleveland Browns didn't want his compliments. <laughs> they kind of like, you know, cast him off to the side. I think he was averaging something like four or five touches a game towards the end of the year. And, and you know, they can do that because they've got a guy named Chubb who's eh, pretty good. And so when you got a guy that's mm, pretty good, Kareem Hunt is a complimentary, more marginal player. And the Colts have a guy that's pretty good in Jonathan Taylor. And eventually Jonathan Taylor will be healthy. Eventually Jonathan Taylor, I doubt he's going to miss paychecks. So Kareem Hunt feels good as a name, but as a potential lead back, I don't think so. Uh, 
We're excited, I guess. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, what, what do you think is going on with Jonathan Taylor? I agree with you. Jonathan Taylor is going to play football for the Colts this year, just a matter of when. But what do you think is going on here? I think the problem is typically when you have negotiations that are less than amorous, um, it doesn't get personal. But I think that this one feels personal to the Jonathan Taylor camp. You've had the agent for Jonathan Taylor go on social media publicly and call out ownership. And uh, in, in kind of a, an, an unvarnished way, uh, typically that doesn't happen. You had, you know, Jonathan Taylor thinking that the Colts are leaking stuff to the media that he doesn't feel is true. And if it is true, he doesn't appreciate his business being out there. So you have this, what should be a professional um, negotiation and talks. They've become, they've become something much darker than that. And I think that that's the reason that it's, it's a little, it's a little ugly right now. Yeah, but the bottom line is, tell me if I'm right or tell me if I'm wrong, the Colts have all the leverage here, right? He's under contract, period. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And so they not only have leverage, they they could end up not paying him. <laughs> so, and they're not going right. to do that. They're, they're not going to do that to Jonathan Taylor. But that is the hammer that they that they have. That is the the you know the poison arrow they have in their quiver, and so quiver. What a great word. Um, anyway, great word. The, the point the point being, yes, they do have all the leverage. Jonathan Taylor is asking for something. The Colts can t tell him something. There's a difference. That's exactly right. Uh, that, that's that's the best way to put it. You know, you can ask. Uh, hell, I can ask for a full head of hair. But Heredity's saying, you don't have it, pal. You know, that's ex they're telling me you don't have it, and I'm asking. That's exactly right. I wish I had that. If I had that, it would be fantastic. But, hey, look. Hey, last thing. Uh, have you watched? Will you watch? Uh, and if you have watched, what do you think of the Johnny Manziel documentary? I haven't watched it. Dude, I'm so over Johnny Manziel. I don't know of I anyone who has made more money being a schlub. Uh, over, he had that great, great season and that great moment against Alabama, that great game against Alabama back in the day. And it's been downhill ever since. And when he's, he's basically unapologetically saying how he never prepared, he never watched film, he he didn't, you know, do I really care about someone who doesn't care? Uh, that's how I feel about it. I really don't care about people who don't care. I'm so with you on that. You know, he's bragging about not watching film, and my response is, well, your ass was out of league in 10 minutes, and now you get to live with that. Thank you, Armando. Great stuff, my friend. All right, Dan. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Johnny Manziel documentary, all the guy. Well, it's great. I watched it. 
And I didn't watch it. I watched a little trailer for it. In fact, I think we have it. I think we have the audio from a trailer where it's like, oh, all right, Johnny Manziel. So you're bragging about the fact that you don't, well, you, <laughs> you didn't watch film. They gave you an iPad. So basically on the iPad, you can track how much you use the iPad. Well, guess what? Zero. I think we have it. If we have it, go ahead and play it. Yeah, maybe we don't. I I can't remember, but I watched it this morning. No audio. Okay. Uh, I watched it this morning, and I'm like, wait a second here. You're bragging. I had a run-in with Johnny Manziel. Not a run-in. I was playing golf at Butler National with Teddy Greenstein and my brother uh, and a rich guy. We were in the locker room after, and there's a dude in there that looked like Johnny Manziel. So Greenstein, being a reporter, said, are you Johnny Manziel? And then it was on. Then there was the, a quote, fastest white boy to ever play at Notre Dame, a guy who was about 45. By the way, Barry Alvarez, defensive assistant at the time, confirmed that he was the fastest white boy. I can't remember his name. But he had played with Manziel, and they were in the locker room. And it was on. Manziel's now going to start talking. He had thrown all of his clubs except for, I believe, a three-wood putter, eight-iron, into the lake. And I think it was number 17 or 16. You can look at Butler National and tell. But Manziel was telling the story to us about how he threw all of his clubs into the lake, and he was going on and on. He was such a narcissist. But I couldn't decide whether I liked him or whether I thought he was a jackass, which means I probably liked him. But I'm not a starstruck guy. I can get tired of the, quote, celebrity guy very, very quickly. Well, I got tired of Manziel very quickly. And you could tell he was a lost soul. You can tell he was just one of these guys that was going to screw somebody out of something somewhere. But Manziel said, hey, look, here's the deal. All right? Uh, I didn't watch any tape. Zero, he says in the documentary, and we're all supposed to go, man, that's great. Well, it is great if you become Larry Bird or you become Patrick Mahomes and you're just so good and so wild, but you became a complete flop. You became a complete D-bag. You you became something that is totally inconsequential except the glory days of a year in college and I'm sure in high school. So good for you. Yay, rock. Go fight, win, Johnny Manziel. But I got no stomach for it. I'm kind of with Armando. I like watching that quarterback's piece. I watched the first episode because it shows greatness. It shows Patrick Mahomes. It shows a guy struggling in Marcus Mariota. And it shows a guy middling in Kirk Cousins. It shows you them. But they're all hard workers. They're all guys that took their craft seriously. They weren't all frontmen like Johnny Manziel is. I'm with you, Armando. I've had enough of Johnny Manziel. Uh, Breaking news from James Comer, the head of the Senate Oversight Committee, over $20 million in payments from foreign sources to the Biden family and associates from Russia, Krakistan, Ukraine, during Joe Biden's vice presidency, James Comer's House Oversight Committee followed the freaking money. That's right. Followed the money. Now, somebody said this from the 
New York Times, you'll see this. It's not true, but this is what somebody, a guy named R. Wooster, put on Twitter. Why diverse corruption is actually good for healthy democracy despite wild claims from far-right extremists. Remember, according to the columnist for Indy Star Sports columnist, who told you all to take the jab, Biden's just a nice old man. Hey, he's just a nice old man. So it'll be interesting to see how this gets spun. Of course, we understand the media will not cover this, but this is treason. This is absolutely treason. And nothing will be done because, frankly, nothing ever gets done. Period. When it comes to Joe Biden and La Familia, we know this, we've seen this. Boom. It's just the way it is. All right. A couple of other things. Man, let's go to what? All right. Let's, yeah, let's go. Let's go to What the Hell Wednesday. You know it. You love it. You want it. You need it. You gots to have it. What the Hell Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. Bring it. Let's go. What's number one? I love What the Hell Wednesday. PP. I did. And you can tell by the laughter that these people are idiots. Oh, I think every guy takes his hand and goes, oh, man. Oh. Oh. I'm telling you, the effeminate male, man. All right, what's number two? What's the next? Oh, God, that hurts. What's numero dos? Oh! That's off the scoreboard onto the... I looks like left field, left center field wall. Thank God it has that plastic yellow stuff over the top of it. But again, things that make you go, 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 oh my God. What is it about dudes that puts them in situations where they want to get their packy? ripped apart. I respect the packy. You know how the American Cancer Society, I think it is, says respect the tatas? Well, I think the American male should respect the packy. Don't put yourself in a position where the packy is going to get damaged. We need to save the packy. Save the packy. Let's go next. 300 pound weight living on that gag board, just so you know. Uh. <laughs> 
I'm not going to lie to you. That was always, when I was a kid, my worst nightmare. Like people would do, I forget what these things were called, when you threw your head back and you did a reverse dive or an inward dive. I always was scared to death of the high dive or the low dive hitting the board. That is like my biggest fear. I did it once on my back, and you know that grainy stuff that keeps you there. Man, oh man, oh man, did it scrape the living crap out of my back. This one holds a special place in my heart because I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. I don't need it. That's why if you have a pool and you put a diving board in, it costs you like a zillion extra dollars in insurance because kids will do stuff like this and it ain't good, people. All right, next, let's see a little rock climbing on bikes. Oh. Oh! You know, I love the vocals. I love, I don't like the vocals. I love the vocals, man. The yelling. The first guy, no, I don't like that. You can give me a get hurt. These dudes are serious, and at least somebody is coming to save them. Holy cow. Wah! Wah! <laughs> Next! Oh, this is a bad formula. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, look. Why, is you, uh, why would you do that? Like, why would you do... Why do you stand in front of a golf ball? All right, the girl's got a swing. She knows how to swing a golf club, obviously. This is not like this is some amateur. You can tell by her hands and her setup. Yes, look at her hands and her setup. Not her green dress, so stop it, perverts. Look at the way she set up to play golf, Sean Black. And next thing you know, she is hitting the guy. Where does she get him exactly? Looks like he's got a ball's left leg. Oh, my God. Don't do this. I'm in love. I'll let her do anything she wants. She's a great golfer. No. No. Buy her a drink. Sit back. Get some appetizers. Play a little top golf, golf and have a nice day. There's no reason for you to be laying down with your tea on your package and a girl with a golf club swinging it off your package. Well, there's one reason if she says that, you know, Later on, if you do this, eh, you know. But anyway, that's the only reason. That's it. That's it. Next. No, 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 thank you. We're always climbing. Hey, man. No, 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 thank you. Oh, hey, man. How you doing? Like. Oh my God. Like, 
what, what are we doing? Like, you scream at these. You just kind of go, man, walk it off. Walk it off. Let's go. Walk it off. It looked like his head fell off for just a second here. Like, boom, see? Didn't that look like his head fell off? Run that again. Watch this. Boom. See that black thing that came off? I'm sure it was a hat. But for a split second, it looked like to me this dude's head fell off. Holy Moscoli. Don't lose your head. Don't lose your head. Doing a stunt. It ain't worth it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. All the best from a what in the Sam Hell Wednesday. Hey, when we come back, I got a lot more to get to, including what does losing Jonathan Taylor mean for the Colts? What does that mean? Let's say he doesn't play. We'll investigate when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back. You know, yesterday, uh, a guy that I admire, Colin Cowherd, made a mistake and people lost their mind. I mean, they lost their mind. Oh, my God. He said Dwayne Haskins is a quarterback that couldn't win the Super Bowl. All right. He made a mistake. Look, here's the deal. It's very simple. When you talk on the air every day, you're going to make a mistake. The only people that don't make mistakes, well, they're the media. Like, Greg Doyle is talking currently about the character of Kareem Hunt and Chris Lammons on Twitter. If I told you the stuff that I know about Greg Doyle, Greg Doyle's the last person that should ever be talking about anybody's character. Ever. 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 But media is perfect. Everybody else isn't. So the fact of the matter is, he made a mistake. Okay. But people must lose their mind. Yes, Dwayne Haskins is a quarterback that can't win the Super Bowl, but not because he's not a good quarterback, not because he's on a bad team, because he died about 16 months ago. Okay, Cowherd made a mistake. He went Ron Burgundy. He read something that was, I guarantee you, presented to him. So what? You know, the great thing about being Colin Cowherd or me, is that people can't wait to point out your mistakes. They cannot wait. They cannot wait to vilify you for your mistakes. Well, guess what? That's because people pay attention to us. People pay attention to greatness. People pay attention to interesting and entertaining. So that's why Colin Cowherd caught a bunch of hell from from people that frankly don't know their backside from third base but are just lying in wait. Lying in wait for a mistake. I get it every day with the Indy star. Dana, Hunsaker, Bembo, and Greg Doyle. 
and Matt Galencic, the editor, they can't wait for me to make a mistake because they want to prance. They're not going to ever tell you the positive things that are done. Nobody ever talks about the positive things that are done by Coward. They lie in wait. They go nuts. Oh, my God. Here's this guy who, well, frankly, made a mistake. We must crucify him. Nah, I got to tell you, kiss my backside. Kiss my backside with that. Coward made a mistake. Get over it. Walk away. Crawl back under your hole. I don't want to hear from you again, people that are criticizing Colin Cowherd. Made a mistake. So what? Uh, My boy, Orioles announcer Kevin Brown, I think we got the chant, don't we? He's going to be back soon, hopefully as quickly as the 11th. I don't know why he's suspended anyway. He was suspended for giving a factual open to an Orioles broadcast talking about their struggles against the Tampa Bay Rays. I believe we have the audio uh, of last night at the Orioles game. People were saying free, chanting free Kevin Brown. Free Kevin Brown. Here it is. I love it. I love free Kevin Brown. I sent him a text yesterday. Uh, I'm sure he is in the middle of a blank storm. But Kevin Brown is one of the all-time nice guys. Like, he is a really good dude. Wouldn't hurt a fly. He and Benetti are two of the best young announcers. I was texting with Benetti last night. Benetti's had a crap week. But anyway, so KB, Kevin Brown, who was my partner on AAC Basketball, when ESPN had to move an African-American into my place, which is fine, I don't care, uh, on the ACC. But anyway, Kevin Brown wouldn't hurt a fly. Kevin Brown did nothing wrong. And the community, the community of, well, frankly, announcers has really stood up big, big time. They have. Free Kevin Brown. Free Kevin Brown. Yeah. Apparently, he'll be returning soon after I'm sure he, he, Kevin Brown, learns his lesson about don't ever say anything negative about the Baltimore Orioles. It's only to be positive. It wasn't even that negative what he did. Didn't do anything racial, didn't do a slur, didn't do anything. Didn't read rap lyrics, which apparently is horrible, horrible to read rap lyrics in this day and age. But Kevin Brown, there you go. He'll be back soon. Uh, I talked about Jonathan Taylor. I talked about Jonathan Taylor, and I talked about the Colts. You got to understand something about the Colts. You got to understand that the media perception of the Colts is different than the actual everyday goings on with the Colts. The Colts had one of the worst coaches in football. Carolina will figure this out. In Frank Reich, there was no accountability to the point where the guy Strankin, Steichen, Shane Steichen, whatever the hell his name is, is being credited for actually guys working in camp, for guys hustling in camp. The Colts went so far as to cancel OTAs because their, quote, OGs, DeForest Buckner and others, didn't want to practice. So they gave in. DeForest Buckner famously on Hard Knocks when asked by his line coach, Baker, if he was going to play and had a chance to really lead in the offensive lineman room, 
very arrogantly ate his dinner and said, well, if my body lets me. Forrest Buckner, my ass. Forrest Buckner and the entire Colts organization, my ass. However, they got a chance now because Shane Steichen is apparently giving accountability. Andrew Luck quit because of Pagano and Ballard. Phillip Rivers did not come back for another $27 million because of Ballard and Reich. No accountability. Stephon Gilmore, former defensive player of the year in the NFL, came over last year. He wanted out immediately. Had a terrible year. Media told you he had a good year. He had a terrible year. He got traded for a not first, second, third, or fourth round pick. Got traded for a fifth round pick because he was so bad last year. And now Jonathan Taylor, the only real weapon that they have, wants out rehabbing away, ladies and gentlemen, yes, away from the facility. That's what happens in the Colts world. And this guy, if you remember, is a guy that, well, it's been well documented, never missed a high school practice, never missed a college practice, gets to the Colts, and now his career is in jeopardy because he hired an idiot for an agent, but the agent didn't make the decision. Taylor made the decision. He's basically there, but not there. So yesterday, he wasn't even there. Taylor being there, but not there. Now Taylor not there. This all rings familiar. This is Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had a knee. Wait, no. Had an ankle. Wait, no. Had a soft tissue. No, wait, no. What did he really have? Hell, I don't know. He had something. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Well, wait a second. Doesn't matter. Why? He retired. Do I expect Jonathan Taylor to retire? No. Andrew Luck got a $24 million retirement gift from Jimmy Ursay. Jimmy Ursay told me it was the right thing to do. Jimmy Ursay is doing the right thing here by not paying over market value for Jonathan Taylor. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts didn't sign Taylor to a contract of maybe $12 million a year. The going rate is 10 Taylor's played on a rookie deal, a couple mil. Not much money in the NFL for the production. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets resolved with Taylor signing a couple-year deal, maybe at 12, 13, 14 million. I wouldn't be surprised. It makes sense to me. I give you common sense answers to real problems, and when they come true, people go, well, how did you know? And I say, well, it's common sense. The only area we don't use common sense is in the prosecution of a Biden or the potential prosecution of a Biden and, of course, dudes playing sports against women. That's where we don't use common sense. Everything else, we use common sense. But I got to tell you, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, it's a dangerous game. It's a very, 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 very dangerous game. It is. It's your career. You only got X number of years to make the kind of money you're going to make. And with all due respect to the University of Wisconsin and the great degree program of the University of Wisconsin, you ain't making $10 million anywhere, anytime without football. You're just not. Period. It's funny. Joe to the sea says Gilmore having a terrible year is an interesting take. I've said it all along. I said it during the year. I said Stephon Gilmore was horrible. He made one play. He had a chance to make another play, and Terry McLaurin beat his ass on the goal line 
against the Redskins in a terrible loss because Carson Wentz came in and got the win. It is fascinating to me, and that's not the only play. I watched Gilmore, and I watched Matt Ryan because the media told me how good they are. Remember, Matt Ryan, I didn't even add him to this list, called his time with a blank show. The Colts are a blank show, but you know what? Apparently, it's our blank show because people still defend him. If you're defending the Colts, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. All right. A couple of other things. Today, ladies and gentlemen, or yesterday, can I tell you a story? Yesterday, I'm playing golf with the drunkest man I ever played golf with. I show up, and this dude's like 60. He's like 60 years old, and he's been drinking all day. It's, uh, it's over here at Old Oakland Country Club. He's a member. It's a men's league. It's nine holes. I play. The guy is so hammered, it's raining. He can't put a ball on a tee. And I'm not being a dude. I'm just like, hey, whatever. We go in for a little bit. No biggie. We come back out. He is so hammered that his partner is apologizing to me. I try to make a little conversation. And then all of a sudden, on the third to last hole, he picks up his ball. He goes, I don't like you. And he looks at me. I go, I'm a likable guy. I start making fun of it. I like, don't worry about it. Then, then, on the tee box of the last hole, part three, he hits the ball five feet. I go, man, that's a great shot. He takes a tee and he flicks it at me. So I take a tee and I flick it at him. He happens to turn and hits him right in the glasses. <laughs> this is my life. Hit him right in the glasses. I could tell he tried to bow up for a second, and I just went, and he comes out, he goes, oh, I'm just effing with you. I'm just, I'm just effing with you. I swear to God, I'm just effing with you. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just effing with you. Uh, that's my life. So I get a letter today, a note today, from his partner apologizing for the guy's behavior. Seriously. I don't know if you saw. I don't think I sent it to my boys. I'll try to send it for the uh, end of the show. But I don't know if you saw. This video that I sent out, this video that I sent out, I'm taping a guy on the golf course for the first time. A friend of mine, F. Cameron Safali. It sounds more official that I call him F. Cameron. So my buddy, I'm sending this to you, Nick, so we can play this. A buddy of mine, Cam Safali, and I are playing in a little tournament over at a golf course. And he goes, hey, see that guy in front of us? I said, yeah. He goes, is my backswing as short as that guy's backswing? I go, I don't know. I'll tape him. And then I'll tape yours and we can look. It's the third hole of a member guest. I had eaten breakfast. I'm not going to say the guy's name. With the guy. He was not drinking. He was not drinking. No drinks. We're just having a conversation. It was his third hole. It was our second hole. All right? No biggie. So I'm going to tape this guy. And then I'm going to tape my buddy Cam. Hey, Dylan and uh, Nick, you should have it now, hopefully. I tape the guy. He falls down. He swings and gets his feet tied up. Boom! I can't stop laughing. And it made me think. How many times have you been 
on a golf tee box waiting for the group ahead of you. It was a slow run, this member guessed. And never seen anybody fall. How many times have you been on a tee box and seen somebody fall? Having a swing on the tee box. I've seen people, you know, in lakes. I've seen them in sand traps uphill kind of stumble. I'm not sure I've seen anybody fall. But the dude fell. Then I started thinking, what are the odds it's the only time that I ever, ever filmed anybody on a tee box? Like, I understand we're all supposed to live our lives. We're all supposed to live our lives like we're being filmed, like we're in the public eye. You know what I mean? Hey, fellas, do you have it? Let me know. Send me a text. We're all supposed to live our lives like that. Like, that's how I live my life, around, you know, by being filmed. And okay. But I tape a guy for the first time. The first time I tape a guy, a guy falls down on the tee box, wipes out, flips over. It's un-effing believable. That's my life. So that was Saturday. Fast forward to Tuesday, I got some drunk guy, and after he told me he didn't like me, and his partner's like, damn, I, I don't know. And his partner was like 6'5", as a football player at Ball State. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I had asked the guy earlier, what you been drinking? He goes, well, we knocked off a bottle of, uh, he talked about Woodford. He talked about another, I can't remember the other whiskey. And he talked about having a bunch of beers. And I'm like, oh, that's a great day. Colts camp. That's my life in a nutshell. That's how I roll. But I couldn't believe it. I just flicked the tee back at him. Turn, boom. Oh, man. Welcome to the world of Double D. Welcome to the great world of Daniel J. Dockage. Boom. All right. If we don't have the video up yet, if we, we, we could have it at the end, that'd be great. If not, I understand. I should have sent it to you. But let's woke it and let's dope it. Dockage has lost it. How? Dockage is a bully. How am I a bully? It's getting teed off. That's right. It's called getting teed off. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, Doc, it's pickleball. Lee Road. I like Lee Road. I go to Lee Road. All right. Let's go to Woke Dope. Let's do it. Come home, Joe. <laughs> they asked me yesterday to give a list of who the five best presidents of my, of, not of my lifetime were. And I went with George Washington. I did. I figured, look, this dude had to be the president of a whole new country. He had to figure out a whole new nation. He had to cross the Delaware with wooden teeth. The dude had to live with wooden teeth. Now, I don't know about you, but I got to tell you, wooden teeth, crossing the Delaware, starting a new nation, Joe Biden ain't that guy. Joe Biden is not that dude. Nothing. And if Joe Biden were that dude, we would have a nation that everything in all of those boats would be owned by Bidens. That's what our nation would be. It would be a Biden-centric place. That's it. The USS disgraced. 
Come home, Joe. Come home on the USS Disgraced. I promised the guy that I wouldn't say his name, by the way. I promised him. So, you know, I'm not going to say his name. So don't at me. How am I a bully? How the hell am I a bully? I just sat there and went, wow. Oh, like you. What'd I do? Anyway, give me another one. Oh, man. Look at my man here. Look at my man, Mitch. Mitch McConnell. He froze up. What happened to his chin? Now, he's 81 years old. He shouldn't be in Congress. But if you're going to be, and you're going to be a mouth, and we're all going to have to pay attention to you, then guess what? We're going to make fun of you. Yeah, I'm sorry. And if you don't like it, I totally understand it. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to make fun of you. We have to make fun of you. There's nothing else we can do but make fun of you. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, Mitch. 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 Your plate's no longer spaghetti and meatballs. It's just cheese. Mitch. Wake up. What? Huh? Oh, uh, what? That. Did you hear that? Diane Feinstein just fell in the hospital. 90-some years old. Remember the other day, uh, one agent said, yeah, press yay, nay, whatever. What are we doing? Megan Rapinoe gets a new job with Galactic Empire trading stormtroopers to shoot. Megan Rapinoe. She's the gift that keeps on giving. She is. She's the gift. She's not going to stop either. She'll end up being a sympathetic figure in a Nike commercial. She'll end up being a sympathetic figure on an ESPN commercial. Now, she will. <clears throat> she will do that. She absolutely will. I guarantee you, there will be. I know they're playing how she is a patriot. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure she is. Yeah, pull this. It plays jingle bells. But you're going to see it. Nike will come out with a new ad about how uh, brave she has been handling her defeat. How brave that she and her teammates are, what toughness they showed, how she overcame. You'll see it. It'll come. They're trying to sell us on Kaepernick still being able to play six years after the fact when six years ago he wasn't good enough. They're doing that. They're trying that. They will continue to try that. You know that's what they will do. And the fact of the matter is this. It's all crap because we saw the kick. You can say whatever you want. Like, had they lost and she not been horrible, you could and she could rest on her laurels, but not anymore. We all saw the kick. I was on the Laura Ingram show, Laura uh, Ingram Angle, I think it's called. It was terrific. She said it was a kick like a fifth grade boy. I said she played like, oh, I don't know, maybe a pretty good women's soccer player, but I lied. I was trying to be nice. She was god-awful. So no matter what commercials they share, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, doesn't matter. We all saw in the biggest moment of her career, he take a, she, he, she, take a massive dump when it mattered most. There is no coming back from that. There is none of that, ever. Nothing. Zero. Zip. Nada. None of it. Uh, The news of the day, ladies and gentlemen, the news of the day is apparently the ongoing investigation from the oversight reveals the Bidens took over $20 million from oligarchs in Russia, Kazakhstan, 
and Ukraine while Joe Biden was the vice president. Get rich from foreign money, evade taxes, persecute political opponents. That, according to Kevin McCarthy, is the Biden way. It is. And it will astound you to know that the New York Times is not covering it. It will astound you to know that the Washington Post is not covering it. It will astound you to know that USA Today and Gannett are not covering it. Will they? Doubtful. Doubtful. I'm going to watch the Manziel documentary because, well, frankly, I don't know what to do. I got a big golf match this afternoon with some friends of mine. But other than that, I don't have much to do. Free Kevin Brown. Free Kevin Brown is a way of life. If you got a good bet this afternoon, Cashman, let me know. All right. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Make sure you do the polite thing. Make sure you like us. Hey, by the way, I want everybody to know we got a great team here. Nick and Dylan and Ryan. Have a great afternoon, everybody.